welcome to another episode of the Naffy Break podcast. I'm your host, Dominic O'Sullivan, and in the time it takes us to drink a cup of coffee together, we're going to hear about the transition from the military into a successful second career. Now, since the Naffy Break started, we've talked to a variety of guests who've given us different aspects and different personal experiences of that transition. We've talked to families, we've talked to employers, we've talked to those who've been medically discharged, as well as those who've had a complete change of career from what they did in the military. By sharing these experiences and shining a light on these issues, hopefully we allow people who are about to transition from the military a little bit of a roadmap, a little bit of a cheat list, if you like, to try and help them make a smoother transition. Now, there are stories of frustration in the transition of people looking back on their service career with some frustration and some regret. But there's also those who can reflect on it and take the positives from those careers. Today's guest is going to give you some real inspiration. This is a career path that's been forged out of adversity, but actually with real positivity and real enthusiasm. I'm sure you're going to take some fantastic motivation from today's guest. Well, delighted to introduce on to Naffy Break podcast this week, Darren Carew, who's the National Inclusion Manager at the Welsh Rugby Union. Uh, he's also chair of the Special Olympics Wales and an agent for change for inclusion. Darren, welcome to the Naffy Break podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Dominic. I'm uh, glad to be here. Well, listen, this is one of those special episodes, Darren, because there's two Welsh voices on the pod, which I always think is uh, is doubly special for the listeners. Uh, but tell us a little bit, first of all, background growing up and, and decision to join join the army as it was then. What, what's, what was kind of going on in the young, uh, the young Darren's life? <laughs> it's, it's same as any teenager. I mean, I, I know it's a Cardiff guy yourself. You know, I, I grew up in a small council estate in, uh, you know, on the outskirts of Cardiff. You know, um, I was quite lucky in the fact that I, I was from a military family anyway. My uncle was already serving in the military, he joined in, I think, uh, 1987. Um, you know, so I had someone to sort of follow after. And, you know, a, a lot of us, we sort of pined to get out of the goldfish bowl, um, you know, when it was always the case of that for me. So, you know, when I hit a certain uh, you know point in my life, I just decided right now it's time to focus, you know, ditched off all my college sort of stuff and, focus purely on joining the military and that was a hell of a conversation with my mum when I came home one day and said oh I've joined the army she was like you were meant to finish college and I was like yeah about that I was drunk it was all good you know what I mean <laughs> to set things up for the future so listen so you actually had a little bit of time then serving at the same time as your uncle did you ever <laughs> did you ever cross paths when you when you were in the military together uh, <laughs> yeah so uh, well we joined the same battalion so I so I joined the Royal Regiment of Wales which is now second well was well, second time in Royal Welsh, um, you know, and uh, I, I turned up there. I went to Charlie Company. Um, he was in Recce Platoon. Um, with, within a few years, I transferred across into Recce Platoon, so I served directly with him. Um, I think we did uh, two operational tours together um, as well before I moved across to the, to the QDG, but it was quite an interesting experience, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, we we bumped head a, a, quite a few times, but um, you know, I, 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 he was the youngest of my uncles, and I was the eldest of the grandkids. So the the gap between us is only about ten years. So we grew up together. Um, so it was like having a big brother there, effectively. Um, you know sure. what I mean? Good bloke. I, I, 
I'm kind of just imagining now the family get togethers and the dinners and the kind of uh, nudge, nudge, don't say what happened, you know, what goes on tour stays on tour. And he's not telling your mum any of the, the stories that are going on behind the wire sort of thing. But yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, so listen, you decided to, to join the army, as you said, in terms of, of career path and, and what have you, how, if you reflect on it now, how did you adapt? Because there is that transition into the military as well. How did you adapt from, you know, the kid that ditched kind of college and and went in? How did you think you adapted to the army in the first place? Um, it, do you know what? I'll be honest. Like, and again, like I said, I'm from a military family. Most of my family thought I was too gobby uh, and I wouldn't be able to take orders. Oh, you'll you'll never get in the military. Um, but you know, I was quite lucky in the fact that you know my uncle had been quite successful. You know what I mean? And um, he basically laid down, you know, like the groundwork for me. Uh, I used to go as a little kid on my BMX while he would go out for his runs. So I knew all the routes that I used to run. So I knew the the, the level of fitness and dedication. And I don't know, I guess like a lot, a lot of us, there's just a switch in our head that we just flick. You know, I can remember turning up on day one at, uh, it was ATR Bassingbourne that I, that I attended. And um you know, the guy looked at me and I was a rugby player at the time. You know, I played rugby, you know, right up to like sort of youth level um, before I joined up. Quite a big guy. And he said, oh, you're a big lad. You're going to struggle with the fitness tests. You know, and I absolutely smashed it because I'd been running and running and running for months. You know what I mean? I knew exactly what was expected of me and I just got through it. Just smashed it out. You know what I mean? Loved it. I suppose sounds a little bit like you almost had a, a mentor in your uncle. To, to kind of get you started in there. And I know when we, when we join up, everybody finds that, that role model, that mentor when you're, when you're inside as well. So, but an easy start by the sounds of it, it, having that example laid out for you and being able to follow in those footsteps to a, to a certain degree. Um, career wise, then when, when you're in the army, what, what was the progression like for you? Did you, did you get on really quickly? What was the, what was the path like? Yeah. So, I mean, like, um, so like my sort of era, you know, like it was a bit slow on promotion, but I actually, I mean, I promoted to Lance Corporal in, you know, in my first couple of years, you know, like I, like I said, I joined in 98, uh, sorry, 97. My first tour was 98, you know, when I promoted to Lance Jack uh, in, in, in 2000, you know, so I was, I was pretty set and pretty focused. This is something I'm trying to explain to my daughter at the moment because she wants to join uh, the army the tail end of this year. And you talk about mentors and stuff. It's about that focus and that determination, you know, and it's amazing how, you know, like we've all got this, um, this, this normality for us is always in adversity. That could be having your leave taken away from you at the last moment, or it could be going for a run and then having someone like yourself, some PTI, take you in the front gates of camp and then back up the back gates of camp. You, you just sort of develop like that. So, yeah, I mean, like for me, like I made it to the rank of Lance Jack and then I then I transferred across to the Queen's Dragoon Guards and I, I sort of really hit my straps while I was there. You know, it was a diff- completely different environment, you know, within the infantry, you know, it's like it's quite a large organisation. Um, you know, like when I, I can remember being on parade uh, the, with the Queen's Dragoon Guards and standing there and going, where's everyone else? You know what I mean? Because I, my recce platoon was part of Fire Support Company and you would argue that Fire Support Company was about as big as the whole of the, the QDG regiment. Um, you know, so it was it was a bit of a shock. But when you're in a smaller group, you're almost more tight knit. You know what I mean? And if you're not uh, if you're not 100 sharp, you get found out. You know what I mean? But if you if you are really good and you're on on the money, it shines a big light on you. You know what I mean? So you just sort of excel. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting thing though. You talk about the almost the impact that 
a service person could have in the commercial side. You know, if you go out into a business and you're the only veteran that's employed there, your influence is, is pretty strong in a small company rather than when you're in a massive company, you can kind of get lost in the, in, in the reads, I suppose. But you know, when you talk there about being really tight when you're in a, in a smaller unit, I kind of, I can understand that and see how that translates to the outside. What do you think was the biggest area of development for you personally? during your army career if you think i mean obviously you talked there about having a fairly good start point and, and good footsteps to follow but is there one area that you think in your own personal development that really kind of came on leaps and bounds while you were in the army yeah i mean like um you know again you know i i like to think that most of us you know undersell ourselves you know um, particularly when we're transitioning out of the military regardless if you make it to an early major or you you leave as a private or a trooper or you know whatever it might be you know for for me it's it's having that level of um, responsibility you know and the, the one thing about the military is they they'll stack that responsibility on you nice and slow and steady be that through rank or you know through you know it doesn't even have to be rank it can you can just be given responsibilities you know what I mean? Because you've got to, you've got to step up and we're used to stepping up. So there, there was two areas for me that have really impacted me further down the line. And, the, you know, the first part there is, you know, about um, leading, um, what it is to lead, what it is to be part of a team and what it is to make your team when you are leading feel like they're part of that journey as well. You know, not to be autocratic and straight down the middle. There's times for that. Um but you know, like how to how to really look after a team, and then the, the second area then is all about instructional sort of stuff. So, like I was training to go to Sandhurst as an instructor. Um, so I spent before I went to Afghanistan in two thousand eight, I spent almost two years away doing a ton of different you know instructor courses. You know, so which which was bizarre because like when I left the military, then the first thought in my head was I got a million different qualifications, but none of this applies to the civilian world, you know? So, but, but, you know, you talk about those two elements leading and being part of a team and, you know, being a good leader um, and then being an instructor and being able to impart my knowledge on others in a, you know, in a positive way. Um, those have absolutely, you know, if I didn't have those skills, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. So, so, okay, we, we moved through the career and you said really well prepared there. And, and while you might not have realized it at the time, some massive transferable skills and qualifications then you, you, you have been developed in you during that time. Um, there obviously comes major crossroads in your in your military career in terms of uh, you know, injury. Just just talk us through, I suppose, the kind of circumstances of that. And, and actually at that point, what was going through your mind about what's ahead of me? What's going to happen next now because of this? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, I won't go into any major detail on you know like what, what happened out in Afghanistan because you know that's not really what this is about but like I said before deploying you know I was pretty set you know I was a troop corporal at the time you know my, my job was quite you know quite challenging but again that responsibility was at the right level I was an experienced guy you know done quite a few operational tours leading in an environment that is really challenging with a with a high threat threat level you know Looking forward to the future, I thought to myself, get back, go on the card. Uh, you know, if I'm successful, then I'll be off to Sanders as an instructor, you know, and then my career is pretty much set for the rest of rest of my time. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, like uh, no no good plan, you know, survives <laughs> contact with the enemy. And, you know, my, my vehicle, we were lead call sign. We went over an IED, 
you know, detonated, injured myself, injured, um, injured two of my team as well. <clears throat> you know, when quite quickly, I'm finding myself in a hospital bed in Birmingham, you know, thinking, you know, what a transition that's been straight away. So I've gone from high tempo operations to being in a hospital bed. And, you know, that was the beginning of the end or the beginning of the start of a new journey, dependent on how you're sort of feeling. Yeah, and we've had several people on the pod who who have had injuries in Afghan, and it's it's taken their career on a different direction. It hasn't been the end of a you know a, a career, as you say. It's the start of something different. Mm. But obviously, initially, and we had JJ Chalmers on a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, what he thought was, you, you get a blast injury, that's the end of your career, end of. When actually, he had quite a long period of time of rehabilitation and preparation for leaving. And I know when we spoke earlier. You, you kind of had about four or five years after that point before you ended up leaving the army. So, so how did that work out for you? What, how was the, how did the army treat you in that respect first in terms of preparing you for what's next? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tough one. So, I mean, like the environment itself is different. I, I, I suppose I was prepared for leaving the military um, almost by happenstance because of the environment that I was in. So like you know, like you like you mentioned, there was a long period of time. So when I was blown up, I damaged my leg, and I thought over a five-year period that I could get back to full recovery. You know what I mean? Um, but as it turned out, I had operation after operation, and then I, at the end of it, I had to put my hand up and say, "Right, enough's enough. I need you to cut my leg off." They, you know, so I got my leg chopped off, and then I went into an even longer-term headley court. But you know, just like I, I said to you earlier, you know, headley court gives you something. It gives you perspective. It gives you time to really sort of, um, you know, think about, you know, your future. Whereas, you know, like when you're in the military, regardless of where you are, it's always, right, what's next, what's next, what's next? Boom, 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 boom. And it's all really fast paced. You don't really time for anything. You can't reflect, you know, whereas, you know, at Headley Court, I've got guys there that are injured, you know, with got, got similar injuries to me or, they, you know, they're an amputee and they're further down the line. Right, I can aspire to that. I can achieve that. You know, there are guys there that are worse injured than you. So you never get an opportunity to really sit back on your heels and go, oh, poor me. You know what I mean? Because you've got to think, well, what about him? You know, and, and, and he's thinking, yeah. well, what about that guy? You know, so you, you don't get a, a chance to really, really get depressed because you've got to, you've got to go, right, okay, what's, what's the sort of next steps for me here? And, you know, over that period of time, I, you know, I went from this very, sort of strict military type kind of guy, you know, where I was, you know, like a, by the time I'd like, I, I'd gone to Headley Court when I was, you know, after I had my leg amputated, I was a sergeant, um, you know what I mean? But it, it was only really in the name of, you know, the, the rank, you know what I mean? I, I was friends with troopers, you know, guys are on their first tour and they got injured and guys that I wouldn't really associate with in my own regiment, but we had this commonality, we had this bond because we'd mm. been injured and we're in the same environment together. You know, when I talked earlier on about that adversity, you know, that's what brings, it, it makes you cohesive as a group. Yeah, and I've been an instructor at Headley Court, so I'll have kind of, I would have been stood there with you guys and, and the gallows humour that exists there, and it, it's it's relentless, but at the same time, you're right. It, you become one group. Nobody Nobody sits on their rank within those treatment groups. And, you know, obviously you've got lots of different disciplines coming in to, su to support you at that point. So listen, you, you've gone through Headley Court. You've you've taken a decision, as you say, after numerous um, uh, operations to kind of say, you know, take the leg off. At what point were you thinking, there's something I want to go after? Or when did you set your first goal 
I suppose, in terms of post-military goals, if if you like. Yeah, you know, again, it's a, it's such a long old process. I, I actually looked at, you know, quite a lot of my friends that were transitioning out of the military. So they were like, you know, end of service, careers transitional workshop, off you go, son, pat on the back, there's your veterans badge. You know, and then looking at how things work for me, for, for me, a massive part of it and what's impacted me hugely uh, later in life was sports recovery. So, you know, everyone bangs on about health heroes, amazing. And, you know, like Invictus Games and all that sort of stuff. So, like, I used sports recovery as that sort of tool to get me going. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got involved with the GB team as we built up towards Invictus Games. You know, I went out to America. I got this thing above my head. Where is it? But they, you can't really make it up properly, but it's a big glass block. Um, it's a camaraderie award that I was I was given at the Warrior Games, you know, for helping out my fellow competitors. And, you know, a big, big turning point for me was I was competing in discus and there was a there was a guy there from the U.S. Marines and he just failed one of his throws and he was having a bit of a meltdown. I went over and just sort of gave him some points. Come on, buddy. Clear mind da, 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 and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, he hit his throw and I got silver and he got gold. So that was my introduction <laughs> to coaching. Uh, and, you know, and I never forget it. But what it did for me is on the flight on the way back, it got me to thinking, do you know what? Like when you compete, it's all about you. And, you know, it's all about your team if you're in a team sort of uh, sport. Um, I got more from seeing him succeed than I did from, you know, from that. So it's... You know, I knew that my path really was was to become a coach. You know, what had I always been? Well, I'd always been part of a team or trying to get the best for my soldiers. So it was it was familiar to me. It was something I knew and I something that obviously I was quite successful at. You know, so when I got back, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to pursue this. So what I did is I um, initially I was uh, I'm going to be a personal trainer. So my transition, I I requalified as a personal trainer and I wanted to work specifically with people with disabilities. Um, just like any sort of parent, my my kids went down to the local rugby club when we settled back in Wales and I was the parent on the sideline who had too much time on his hands because he was retired, you know what I mean? And was helping out the coach and the coach was like, oh, do you want to do a course? Um, next thing you know, I find myself on a course in Risca, you know, when the guy there on the, on the first day, you know, we do the register and He's like, um, right, okay, we're going to do a warm-up now. And I said, oh, I just need to change my leg a minute. And he looks at me a bit strange. I pull my leg off and put my running <laughs> blade on. And he was like, oh, I better check the register in future. But th- that guy, um, who is now a colleague of mine, um, you know, his son was in uh, the Royal Regiment of Wales. And we just hit it off. And, you know, he invited me down to the Disability Six Nations and said, look, you know, come down to this event. It's amazing. You know, and I was like, this is where it's at. This is where I want to be. I want to be doing this. And they were like, well, there's nowhere really for you at this point. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, you, you, you find a way. So now the interesting thing for me is obviously being, a, being a boy from Cardiff, being in Welsh, rugby's in the blood. We, we kind of know that. And, and we also, I mean, I still secretly at 55 have dreams and wake up that someone's given me a call to bring me boots and, and I'm getting a game, you know, in a six nation. So, so to work within rugby, within Wales, it, that, that's a fantastic place to, but to then be where you are now in terms of at the level you're at, what was that pathway like? I mean, you started there by realizing that coaching is the way and you've started your first course, but, but how quickly have you got to, to where you are? And have you got there pr- pretty quickly compared to most people in the kind of coaching, coaching circles? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you could say that my sort of route is quite niche, 
And, you know, like I said to you earlier, you know, so many things just sort of happened, uh, you know, just it was a matter of like going on that course. And then my, my, my colleague, you know, we had that military connection through his son and him inviting me down and, you know, and then I pursued that. Um, so many things were there, but obviously it's a, there's a catalyst, you know, there's a drive, you know, that we all have this internal engine that we develop from years and years of just, you know, grizzing it. You know what I mean? That we just, we pursue things, you know what I mean? That most people would just let go. And, you know, initially, like I, I was, I was sort of told, right, you, you, you want to do it. Then you come in as a community coach and we'll, we'll chuck you some, some cash, you know, to cover your expenses. And like I said, I was a, I was retired. I was in my thirties and I was retired and I can understand why people that are retired, they sort of lose their marbles because you, I didn't know what to do with myself. And yeah. I was like, right, no, I'm this, I enjoy this. This gives me purpose because, you know, they, they, like I always think that there's like two different versions of me. There's the military me and then there's the me now. Sometimes I look at the military person and wish I could be that again. You know, other days I'm like, do you know what? What I've become now is really, really good. So it, it sort of pushed me into that. And, you know, I, I just had the time to really focus. And then before you knew it, it got to such a point where I was, I was running a, a disability schools program across Wales. I was going into a region, say the Cardiff region or the Ospreys region, so on and so forth. And going to a bunch of special schools and, you know, you'd meet with the schools and they'd be like, Oh, rugby's not for us. And I'd be like, no, 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 it'd be good. You know, we can do this. And I'd structured all my own sessions and written them all myself. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I'm used to writing sessions and stuff. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the content is. You know what I mean? I know rugby. Um, and, you know, quite quickly then, you know, we developed such a massive interest that, you know, all of these schools across all the Wales are like, we've been needing this for years. This is incredible. It's transformative. What's next? You know, so then what do you do? You look up, then you go, well, what's next? And they were like, well, well we, we need to do something about this. So because I developed that interest, you know, they created a role for me as a disability rugby coordinator. And that's sort of where I sat for a while you know, and, and just sort of absolutely blasted it, you know, but, but again, you've got to be in the right environment, you know, the, the, the rugby environment is very similar to the military environment. We've got the same yeah. banter, the people are very similar as well. They, they're doers, not just talkers. So when you work in an organization where they just go, do you know what, go for it and we'll just back you. I just went at it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that was, that was that first part, you know, Darren, I'm smiling as you're describing this because the, the skills and, and the kind of drive that you've described there, things that we're always championing in terms of, you know, veterans into employment and saying to employers, look, you know, you take on a veteran, you're not just getting someone with a technical qualification, you're getting that we get stuff done. And actually, we'll look at it and go, well, I've done my thing. Now, what else needs doing? Right, I'm going to get that done as well. And what's next? So, you know, I think what you've what you've pictured that you've painted there is an obvious one. For, for veterans, for service people, we'll, we'll, we'll recognize all of that. But I think for your employers, we'll look at that and go, well, this guy's an industry by himself. We can kind of almost just like, just set you off and they'll, they'll surf behind you because you're almost kind of breaking, uh, breaking some barriers there. So tell me, tell me a little bit about the, the role that you've got now. And, and obviously you talked there about purpose. What's been the re most rewarding part of this new career path that, that you're now on? Yeah, so I, I mean, like, so I started off with disability, and you know, like, quite quickly, you know, we become like sort of sector leading, you know, within within the disability space. 
So you you know whenever whenever you're gonna build out from that point, you've you've got to do things that are sustainable. You know, I I felt I was at a stage where I could I could give more. You know, we could affect more change. You know, the great thing about working for the Welsh Rugby Union is we we such we got so much brand power. You know that you can actually get stuff done. You know what I mean yeah. on a large scale. So it's like, look, we've nailed this down. Yeah, there's still work to do. You know, but what else can we look at? What about um, were you supporting the LGBTQ community? What about supporting veterans? What about mental health? What about homelessness? What are what, you know? What about ethnic minority groups and so on and so forth? And you know, I built up this umbrella under inclusion and said, look, we can do this. You know what I mean? I, I'm confident we can do this. And you know, working for an organisation again like the WIU, you know, they put put their you know they they, they sort of um, value in me. They said, right. Come on in, let's go for it. And you know, when we 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 started at it, we we know we can be successful. I, I say we, it's not I working as a, you know working as a group. You know, so you talk about like what what's rewarding. Well, you know, like the last sort of twelve months, you know, have been all about project management. You know, online stuff and getting things in place. And then you know, before Christmas, I managed to get out and actually run some sessions. You know, um, get into schools you know, meet with people face to face. And, you know, that's, that's where I see, you know, that's, that's where my motivation comes from, you know, like, you can spend endless time, you know, what I mean, uh, doing online sessions or running a course online, stuff like that. And until you actually see the end user, the person that you're impacting and seeing that you, you're still providing that value, you know, that that's it for me. So, I mean, like, I, I actually said to my boss, look, I, I understand what the fuel is for me to keep going at this pace for the foreseeable future. I've, I, I can never step too far away. I'm national inclusion manager now, but I can never be strategically all the way up here and not be on the ground. I've got to yeah. be on the ground. I've got to still run my sessions because that is what's going to motivate me to keep going for even further. Now, you know, you, you've, you've touched on it a number of times that, that there are some key elements that I've, I've noticed you know, especially because I've been working in the sort of veterans world is, you know, I've mentioned it, we, we undersell ourselves, regardless of what rank we leave at. We develop this tacit knowledge, this, this knowledge that can't be taught, you know, this like experience, this life experience, this engine that we've got makes us a force multiplier within any organization. You know, and I'm not big in myself. I just know that the reason why I've been able to drive as hard as I have is because of that. You know, because I'm used to working hard, I'm used to working in adversity. You know, the hardest thing for me these days is saying no, you know, because I'm so used to just, yeah, I'll get it done. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? So it, it that's that's the tough thing. But, you know, if people take a chance on us, you know, as, you know, as veterans, service leavers, you know what I mean? They, they, they 9.9 out of 10 times not regret it. Darren, you said, obviously, we rec- we undersell ourselves and you can recognise in veterans what, what we have. When you were looking at going to work for the WRU, did you realize as an employer that they were, I suppose, I was going to say veteran friendly, but actually they were the kind of employer that were going to give you that that autonomy or or, or ability to, to go and push? And actually they go, yeah, that's okay. Did you, did you kind of research them a little bit or did you talk to anyone who were already working within the WRU to say, actually is this is this just a big organization that actually doesn't get a lot done or did you get some good vibes from within before you you went on board i think because my sort of process into a in, into my current role 
was so graduated. Like I said, I'd gone from being, you know, paid by the hour. You know, I'd built so much currency with them that they'd seen quite how hard I worked. You know, like on, on two occasions now, I've had a job built around me rather than applied for a job. You know, they've gone, right, okay, yeah, we need to we need to build around this. This is this is where it's at. And you know, it just it it was just a, a you know a matter of, you know, like because I'm in that sort of niche space of inclusion. You know what I mean? I talked earlier on about commonality, you know, like I've got a bond with people with disabilities across Wales because I understand, because I've got a few disabilities myself, you know what I mean? And I can engage with with people from ethnic minority groups as well because I'm from one of those. And, you know what I mean? I can I, I understand poverty because I come from an area of deprivation. Do you know what I mean? So there's so many of these little bits and bobs, but then, you know, you can you can have all this background but but then it's having the confidence and you know the understanding to articulate you know and put things into place to communicate with people to be able to develop plans this is all military stuff that, I, that I've, yeah. I've gained now interesting you talk uh, and you could read lots of things in the press and the media at the moment uh, about organizations trying to change their profile trying to become more inclusive etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think something that, that is often said particularly in the transition is you've got to find somewhere where you are the right fit i.e. that you'll fit their culture, their ethos. But actually, I suppose the opposite is true, isn't it? You want to bring something to that organization. Otherwise, if you just fit, they'll just carry on being the same. Yeah, Whereas actually what you're, you're bringing in something which isn't there and you're, all, as you say, a force multiplier, you're creating the next culture, the next version of that organization. Do you think that that is a military thing that you've brought in that, and obviously your, your lived experience, your true lived experience as well. But do you, you think you that's bring, really- yeah, you, you you bring diversity of thought. You know what I mean. Yeah. We think different. You know what I mean. I have got huge amount of respect from you know for the people that I work with. You know what I mean. I, I I genuinely do. I love where I work. I'm very lucky. I've had my dream job twice in my life. You know, I always wanted to be a soldier. I became a soldier. I was you know like aspired. That, you know to, to 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 this later in life and you know i've been lucky to fall into it you know but but what we do is we br- bring that diversity of thought you know we think differently the way we attack things is is differently you know we we you know it always makes me laugh you know we always go well, well you know i've never been involved in project management i said oh i think you'll find you've been involved in a massive amount of project management you've been dealing with stuff from like prepping for exercise to going on operational tours to you know prepping for missions and this that and the other you know we just don't know a lot of the time how to translate that i don't think a, a careers transitional workshop is successful enough it should be a much longer process with a lot more service leavers involved in that rather than some sort of transitional professional is going to help you write a CV. Because if you've got people there that are actually going to stand up and say, yeah, I do this. Yeah, some of this happened by chance. But you know what? I know I'm good at what I do. Not because I'm, you know, a gob, you know, or anything like that, but because I've been given all of these skills. Now, it doesn't take much for you to transition those skills. Yeah, part of it's the environment. Like I said, rugby is very similar to the military. You know, the people are the same. You know, like the the, the banter's the same. You know, you've got a lot of grafters there, you know, so you just get stuff done. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a fit. But I've, I've got friends that have been successful, you know, in a multitude of different um, sort of areas of work. You know what I mean? Guys that have just applied themselves because they've got that drive and they've got that determination. It's something that we're just given. It's a freebie to us from all of the all of the grafting that we have to do. 
You know what I mean? Whether we like it or not. You know what I mean? It's, it, you, you develop that engine, you know, and, and you've, got to, you've got to make the most of it. So listen, now you look, you look back towards the things that you gained and what you've talked quite clearly there about the skills and the experiences that you pick up in the military. And now we've overlaid on top of that, your own personal background, your own personal circumstances. And on top of that, the things you've now learned in these new roles. Talk to me a little bit about, I suppose, the future work that you're doing, because I know you've also, you know, chair of the Special Olympics. So kind of beyond the rugby thing, this isn't just, I love rugby, I'm staying in rugby kind of thing. That's a safe space. What, what about the other stuff that you're doing going forwards now? What's what's the real kind of, I suppose, the, the, the ultimate, or not the ultimate, but the next thing that we're, we're kind of working towards? Well, you know, like, I've, I've always felt that, you know, like, we've always got to work on uh, personal growth. I, you know, I'm a firm believer in forward momentum. You know, when I was in the military, I knew what that was because it, it was the next rung in the ladder, you know what I mean, and, you know, that progression of rank. But, you know, like... You know, for for me now, it's about building out sustainably uh, within the Welsh Rugby Union in that under that inclusion umbrella. You know what I mean? Like like I said, I've I've got almost like a template of how to do it successfully from our work in the disability world. You know, you you it, 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 you'll understand this. It's you build that currency of trust with people, and then you get that level of engagement, and you go on a journey together. Now it's very similar with Special Olympics Wales. You know, like I. I was quite lucky to to have been appointed there and it's something very challenging for me, you know, but something I'm really excited about because, you know, I've always sort of looked at Special Olympics, um, you know, like GB or even like America and it's huge, you know, and the aim would be to just try and help modernise this this organisation within Wales, you know. So, you know, again, the, the only point of it really is to provide more opportunities for our athletes, you know, just like you boil it all the way back to when I, when I was a, a young lance corporal, you know, all I wanted to do was get the best for my soldiers. You know, now all I want to do is get the best for our athletes and, you know, provide them opportunities. Darren, let me jump in there for a second. Cause it, it there may be a perception from people who are looking at sports administration. And I suppose I'll use that term there. And you talk there about, you know, team GB and all those things unless you've been to university, unless you've gone up through the ranks of sports administration, people from the military might look at it and go, that's not an area I can break into. I don't have that background. But actually from your experience, your diversity of thought, I love that phrase that you said, you've brought a new way of thinking, fresh thing. Have, have you found that actually the, I'm going to say the academically grown administrators are welcome into that? Do they recognise that you bring a different perspective and a different input to that? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, like, it, it, I suppose if, if I roll it back a little bit, you go to sort of the, the way I was perceived within my organisation originally, okay? So it would go from a, oh, that's really nice, to a, okay, ooh, that's Darren's thing, we don't know about that, to all of a sudden, oh, this is what we do. Um, you know, so, you know, I've affected some change internally there, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've never really come up against, you know, any of my sort of, um, you know, people at sort of my level across any, any other sport or even within rugby itself, you know, that of, you know, being resistant, you know, everyone's always welcoming because it is, you know, that diversity of thought is, you know, is proven, you know, to create success. And, you know, and, and maybe sometimes I can be a bit frustrating because my process is a bit different to others, you know, but, but at the end of it, we, we achieve. And, you know, 
I think when it comes to, um, you know, like sporting organisations, you know, I can only really speak for the Welsh Rugby Union itself. You know, from the outside looking in, you know, it's quite easy to be cynical. You know, you've got a big organisation, so many working parts to it. But, you know, like when you when you work with so many people that just want to make things better, they want to affect positive change. You know what I mean? How, how can you not? You know, I mean, and if I'm a catalyst in some way to just try and push that a little bit further, like I said, you know, I am, you know, a, an agent of change. You know, it, it sounds like some sort of spy movie sort of stuff, but it, but, it, but that's not the case. I literally will challenge and challenge and challenge until we get to where we need to go. And, you know, that's that's what we bring. We we're so used to going, oh, well, what about this? Why don't we try this? And, you know, so, you know, I think the balance is important. You should have people from outside to give you that diversity of thought, you know what I mean? But also it's important to have people understand the structures, you know, and have gone through that process as yeah. well. Uh, we've talked to a couple of guests on here who, again, have gone through that pathway of being medically discharged from the from the military with, with various injuries, etc. And one of the things that we've talked about is, is also people seeing people like them in successful positions, whether that's as a, as a disability athlete, whether that's in the media, whether that's just within an organisation. How much of that, what you're doing, do you think, is actually now or, or making it more visible that people with disabilities can find their way into these top positions and can actually be the next generation of leaders, et cetera. Is, is that an important part of it? Not just the participation in, in sport or in you know rugby, whatever, but actually from a career point of view, there are career pathways for people as well from, from an inclusivity and, and a disability yeah. point of view. I mean, like, I'll be honest, it's something I look um, like sort of downwards upon rather than trying to be that focal point. Um, so rather than looking at myself as sort of a role model for others, the, my sort of thought process is, do you know what I mean? Like, I'll just carry on doing what I do and, you know what I mean, do the best I can possibly do and success is a default. But it part of my role and what I mean by looking, looking down is I'm always looking at, right, well, we need to have reflective role models. Now, th this might not just be a person with a disability. It could be a person that's come from a council estate. It could be, you know, a, a person that's got an ethnically diverse background. You know, it could could be it could be a, a anything. But it's so important to have reflective role models in 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 our society in general. Because I mean, like, I I, I know that when I'm with a group of kids with disabilities, you know what I mean, and, and I'm and I'm chatting away to them. You know what I mean? They're going to go, wow, Alan Wynne-Jones, incredible. You know what I mean? You know, like, wow. Um, but then if they've got, like, sort of me there, I'm not comparing myself to Alan Wynne-Jones, but anyway, <laughs> but they've got a reflective model. They go, oh, Darren, you know, Darren did da-da-da-da-da. And he said, see, there's more of a bond to – the more reflective role models we're able to um, identify, we're able to shine a, shine a light on, you know, across across all of this, it's a more it's going to inspire a more diverse group of people. Because if you get the same people applying for the same jobs, nothing ever changes. And let's be honest, we had that in the military. We had people from all different backgrounds going up the ranks, etc. They came from you know, and I've interviewed people on this podcast who came from fairly modest beginnings. And they, I've, I spoke to a guy a while back who'd been a tornado pilot, and he pretty much came from a single parent family, and climbed his way up it wasn't handed to him on a plate so I, I think what you're saying I could see that in the military and actually when you come out of the military 
again, it's it, the society. That's what we should have in society. Perceptions are massive. And one of the perceptions that I've come across is that stereotype around the military that we're all sexist, we're all homophobes, we're all racist, you know, and this, that, and the other. And when you sit down with a person and you say, right, think about this now. So I can be in a firefight and the guy to the right of me could have been educated in Oxford. You know, the guy to the left of me is from a council estate, you know what I mean? And, and the guy next to him, you know what I mean, who's bringing the ammo over or bringing, is on the machine gun could be from Fiji. You know what I mean? Yeah. And nobody cares about yeah. people's backgrounds and, you know what I mean? What do. The only underlying thing is that you are good. If you're a good soldier, that's all we cared about. If you weren't a good soldier, people would climb all over you. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, you know, I, I genuinely just don't get that. You know what I mean? Because I, I, you can call it naivety. I don't know. I love it. I love the fact that I've lived in an environment where we are all so leveled. You know what yeah. I mean? And you, you have got those role models, like you said. People like, you know, I used to look at some of our, our early officers and think, wow. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, you know, he's come from a council estate and he's a, he's a captain and, you know, I could be me one day. And, you know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't matter, does it? And I think some of that may be media narrative. And the more times they show repeats of um, it ain't half up, mum, and stuff like that. And Windsor Davis is screaming on there. It's probably not doing us any favours. But unfortunately, if that's the only thing people watch, you know, Platoon, Heartbreak Ridge, and they just see Hollywood and movies, never actually meet a veteran, never meet an injured veteran never meet someone who's in one of those successful positions they're never going to hear these conversations they're not so i think you know that maybe it's it's our own response our own community's responsibility to kind of get out there and say look actually we're we're not that stereotype yeah uh, as well as something to be done uh darren just i, I it's a fantastic some insights you give me and I, and I think in terms of taking that new direction from when you got injured to what you're doing now it is fascinating for people who are listening to this and, and truly motivational as well. But if you could offer, I suppose, some reflections or some guides for people who are in the military and they, and you know, they may not be getting medically discharged. It may just be preparing to leave. And you could say, look, there's a couple of things you could do for yourself before you take that uniform off. And, 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 you know, you're now a civilian, well, you're never a civilian, you only become a veteran. That's my kind of take on it. But if you could give them three things, what, what would be your, your kind of three nuggets you pass on? Uh, I, I, I would say that, you know, first, uh, you, you've, you've got to believe in yourself, you know, what I mean, that I don't know that sounds a bit cheesy, but we've developed so much. You know what I mean? So much experience. There's so much there that you just, you can't put your finger on that. You can't write down. That doesn't translate into a CV. That makes you so valuable, you know, to, to an employer. Um, secondly, you know, prepare, you know, just prepare because we're so cosseted, you know, within the military as well. I was chatting to a friend of mine. We were, we were hiking over Penafan the other day. And, you know, he said when he left the military, he didn't even know how to like pay his council tax. He thought it was a joke. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bit extreme, but you know what I mean? You, you've, you've got to get down with that sort of stuff and you know, get that nailed down. Or like me, make sure you've got an amazing wife who could literally be an accountant. She's so good at looking after how bad you are at that sort of stuff. You know? Um, and the last one, I would say try to find something that you love. You know, I love the environment I work in, the role that I do, inclusion, I'm completely absorbed by it. I would work 26 
hours a day on inclusion if I could, because I'm so motivated by it. Just like my my job within the military. I loved being out in the field. I loved being in camp and all the bullshit that comes with it. You know, <laughs> I loved every aspect of it. I get with a spring in my step, you know, when I get to shout at people, you know what I mean? And, uh, get, you know, do some fitness and have a couple of beers afterwards. So be, being able to find that twice, you know, being able to find something that genuinely makes me want to get up in the morning. And I know that's hard because, you know, money comes into it and you can't just always pursue, you know, what, what, what your dreams are. But if you can find something that actually you love, success is a default with that. You know what I mean? Like I, I never went out going, I'm, I'm going to be successful. I was a, I was a, I was a veteran, um, you know, uh, amputee, you know, sat at home, you know, as a pensioner, you know, going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And, you know, now I've, after a series of events, I've just sort of found myself into, into an amazing role where I really find value because it doesn't matter how you leave the military, you're always going to reflect on who you were within that uniform. You know what I mean? And on bad days, I look back and I look at what I lost. And on good days, I go, do you know what? I've actually, I've made something of myself. My kids could be proud, you know, of me. You know what I mean? I, I found purpose, you know, and, and, and you, you can't want more than that, to be honest, you know? So a bit of a long way around, but, you know, I hope those three points do help. Absolutely. Uh, Darren Caro, in terms of passion, purpose, enthusiasm, and two Welsh voices on the same pod, I think the listeners have got a fantastic, uh, fantastic insight there in, into kind of your journey and, and kind of what you're doing now. I really want to thank you for coming on to Naffy Break. You know, we've had a variety of guests. Um, I can I can honestly say yours has been pretty unique uh, and kind of hats off to you in terms of what you're doing thank now. You. Uh, so, Darren, listen, thanks for joining the Naffy Break podcast. Not my pleasure. I've had some fantastic guests on the Naffy Break podcast and some truly inspirational personal stories that they've uh, they've shared. Um, talking to Darren, I think the words force multiplier uh, have never been so true. Uh, he's a phenomenon uh, in my eyes. I think what he's done and thrown himself into the purpose that he now has uh, to act as a positive role model for people to see what he does following adversity, but actually to strike out in a new career and be ultimately successful in that, I think is truly inspirational. I think some of the messages that he put across during our chat were really important about having those positive, reflective role models, diversity of thought in organisations, but actually all the skills that he learned in the military and the lessons that he learned there and are now applying in his role. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can look him up on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, fantastic individual with a tremendous story. Thanks for joining the Naffy Break podcast. Please share to anybody with a Forces Connection who wants to understand a little bit more about what veterans can bring to the workplace. 